Hello and welcome to Cracked Open, a podcast guiding you on your journey to becoming a vessel of unconditional love. This is your host, Beck Mylonis, High Priestess, Channel, and Activator. Join me on this series as I share reflections, insights, and channel transmissions from my journey of walking the initiation path. Each episode is a unique transmission containing supportive frequencies to facilitate the deepest healing, activation, and reconnection with your soul. I invite you to open your mind and set the intention to receive this episode into your heart space. Let's go. Welcome back, beautiful souls, to another episode of Cracked Open, a podcast about becoming a vessel of unconditional love my brain just went oh what is it what are we doing here <laughs> so <laughs> today with me i have ryan sprague sprague i should Spray, ask you that. same Spray. thing it's just Spray, my government Spray. name you know <laughs> perfect ryan is a new friend of mine but i actually feel like we're not new friends we've known each other for a really long time it was one of those beautiful connections which was just like oh my so much to talk about this is amazing <laughs> i had the pleasure of being on ryan's podcast recently and we just riffed for an hour and a half it was amazing so today i've invited him here to share his beautiful firstly his frequency um there's a huge like he has some pleiadian stuff going on and i just feel that the light that radiates from this man is so beautiful so that's the first thing that we're going to get to bring through but ryan's going to talk about um, psychedelics is going to talk about conscious cannabis. I'm going to officially introduce him now with his bio. Ryan is the founder and co-owner of Highly Optimized, a company dedicated to helping its clients transform and becoming the conscious leaders the world is patiently awaiting. He's also the host of the Highly Optimized podcast and this one time on psychedelics. He is the creator of the Conscious Cannabis Collective, which is a mastermind dedicated to providing everything needed to become a cannabis coach and educator alongside a budding community of like-hearted souls devoted to becoming the best versions of themselves. So, beautiful soul, I would love for you in your own words to jump on, introduce yourself and tell us what brings you here, not just to this podcast, but like what, you just hold this fucking your frequency is just stunning, right? You look at him. Oh, if you can't see his face, he's just smile. It's just radiating light, right? And that takes work. That takes some work. So we'd love to hear from you, your journey, and and what brought you here to just embodying this beautiful divine masculine energy and all that you're bringing into the world. Mm. Thank you, Beck, so much for having me here. Thank you to everyone tuning in. You know, this is if not my favorite, one of my top two favorite things in the world that I do, podcasting. Um, being a projector in human design too, right? Like I just love conversating. I love charging each other's batteries. And you and I were chatting beforehand about that idea of charging batteries, right? And that for me is like kind of my ability to use discernment in this world. It's like, do I feel my battery get charged around these people, places, or things or not, right? And so, you know, for anyone who hasn't heard of me before, I'm the cannabis coach. Um, I help people optimize their relationship with cannabis and create a healthy relationship with the plant one that they are able to see the plant as a living entity, as a teacher, as almost a pocket coach, right? Something that can help them go behind the veil uh, into a theta and our alpha and theta brainwave state to be able to be more impressionable, to be able to, you know, brainwash themselves consciously with what they actually want in life, right? Rather than being brainwashed from everything that everyone else is trying to tell us to do, you know? And so, that's a little bit of what I do. Um, of course, my story is pretty deep. We can definitely get into it. But, you know, when it comes to uh, the frequency thing and things like that, you know, it was really funny, like, because getting into running my own business and everything like that, 
I remember when I came up with the name or I didn't actually come up with it, Rachel did for highly optimized. And, you know, over the last three years that I've been running this business, it really has been like, wow, that name came to me in a stop and shop parking lot in Quincy, Massachusetts, like the, the least attractive of a place for a name like that to come from. And it really has like been something that's grown on me more and more and more as I've dove into all of this. And, and it's funny, you mentioned the Palladium thing, because I was sharing with you that when I worked at the dispensary, there was this guy, Mark, that used to come in. And he was just this little guy that, you know, got into some really interesting stuff. He'd always be talking about like, you know, you had to kind of crack him open. Then he was like, Oh, yeah, I'm chanting all the time. I'm doing this and that. And he had gone to prison for some years for like some white collar crime. And I was like, Oh, man, that sucks. And I remember him saying, like, it was the best time ever. He's like, I was addicted to go, go, going. I was, you know, valuing money, all these things above everything else. And then I just got to go read books for three years, you know, but he was the one that originally brought me in. I'm like, he's like, dude, I was chanting the other night. You were like 95% Palladian. I had no idea what that meant. And that then started me on a whole rabbit hole, right? So there's many different, you know, side quests we can dive into here, but I figure I'll stop there uh, to let you speak for a second, but we can definitely go into like my whole journey of like how I got into cannabis, because I think for most people, they hear like cannabis, like out of all the psychedelics, not ketamine, not DMT, not psilocybin, not MDMA. And again, those medicines I've benefited from greatly. But, you know, when it comes to cannabis, we have a very dear and uh, very deep bond. Yeah. And I would love, and also I want to say, <laughs> this is something that Ryan's in the process of claiming and I'm trying to get him to claim. He's got yes. some serious like medicine man codes around this plant. That is just such a paradigm shift because I think a lot of us see cannabis as this, we don't see its healing qualities or how it could be a master plant. Well, maybe it's yeah. not one of the master plants, but we can, we don't see it in the same way as we see like mushrooms or ayahuasca or iboga whatever else right like people don't put it in that same category and for me i want to say i even like have a tiny puff of cannabis and it, it just blasts me into another dimension so i know how how potent it is we're going to talk about that i'm going to ask you some questions about like people like me who are highly sensitive how to fucking even navigate that um i guess the question is like when you started out with cannabis like what did that look like were you consciously using it or were you just like a stoner like i guess that's a mm -hmm. word that I'm sure you have lots to say around. Um, so oh, yeah. what was what was that journey like? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I'll, I'll speak for a quick second too on like kind of like the overarching view of cannabis and society. And, you know, I think that, you know, very similar to what's happened with feminine energy overall, right? It's very similar to what happened with cannabis. And cannabis is a very feminine plant, as I know it anyway. And, you know, it also is out of all the psychedelics, it's the most practical, right? It's the one that we can cultivate in our own backyard, right? Or inside of our home. It's also the one that has a lot of science out so far on curing cancer, um, helping with all ranges of autoimmune disorders, all these things, right? So when you think about why that particular plant has been bastardized so much, right? Again, there's stigma on psychedelics, but it's not the same. I mean, you could like tell your grandmother these days you're doing psilocybin and she'd probably be like, well, John Hopkins says it's okay, right? So like, you know, it's now kind of trendy. Whereas cannabis, even though there is so much research out, it is kind of just still that thing of like, well, now it's legal. You can go to a dispensary and get fucked up or whatever. And that's what most people think of it. But at the end of the day, for me, and, and we can definitely dive into the history of it too. But for me, I see this plant being so stigmatized because it is the most practical. It is the most widely available. It is the one that doesn't require going to a jungle necessarily, which a lot of people can't afford, right? Like a lot of people can't afford to go do ayahuasca. They can't afford to even take six hours out of their life. Maybe they have kids and things like that to do, you know, psilocybin or things like that. But cannabis, 
when you learn how to work with the plant, you can connect with it, go into ceremony. And if your kid needs something, you could get up, get that done, go right back into ceremony. So I think for a lot of people, it's practical. But for me, when I got into it, <clears throat> I found it when I was 16. And I had just been saying no for a couple of years since uh, all my friends have been getting into it. And, you know, I just I, I saw examples of cannabis in my life that were the classic lazy stoner stereotype. And like many people, I wrongly attributed that to cannabis, right? Like, oh, cannabis is what causes this, right? Cannabis is what makes you lazy. Cannabis gives you paranoia. Cannabis makes you anxious, right? These kind of things. But then I started experiencing what I now call generalized anxiety disorder, right? Very typical for like when you're 16, a lot of stuff's happening. They're like, hey, make sure in two years, you know what you want to do with the rest of your life, you know? So like no pressure, right? So a lot of that started coming out. And I was going to my doctor and instead of explaining that I was experiencing a sensation, right, that I was putting a story on that was anxiety, he told me I had anxiety, right? And I'm not blaming him, like, that's like the typical language when it comes to looking at sensations and challenges that are going on in their lives, right, mentally, physically, etc. So he started putting me on pharmaceuticals, and I didn't know any better. I had learned to trust people in white lab coats with my health, so that's what I was doing. And yet every pharmaceutical I tried just felt as though in language I would use today, that it disconnected me from myself more. And I didn't know at that point that really what I was lacking was connection to self, right? And that part of me was starting to wake up and starting to realize like, I don't really vibe with the way things are going. I don't believe in the white picket fence life. I don't believe in necessarily going to college and spending all of this money and fingers crossing, kind of like you're scratching a scratch ticket that you're going to be able to make a livelihood off it that you're actually fulfilled doing. I had seen in, numerous examples throughout my life of people that were just like, yeah, well, you know, life sucks, then you die, you know, another day, you know, that kind of, you know, mentality. And that to me was just like the antithesis of everything that I wanted to be. But at 16, you know, no one else around me was starting to talk about this stuff. So I kind of just molded under, right, molded under the rug. And then when I was 16, after like the last pharmaceutical that I got from my doctor didn't work. I was talking to a friend about this, and I have no idea what language would have been used as a 16-year-old, but in today's language, basically, I was explaining to this individual that I was experiencing these sensations, right, what they were calling anxiety. And he was like, oh, well, you know, I experienced something very similar to that, and I've found that cannabis works great. And so I was like, really? But I had nothing left to lose. You know, it was like, okay, well, these pharmaceuticals aren't working. Um, at 16, you think, like, this is going to be the rest of my life, right? So I decided to try it. And it wasn't my first or second time, like first two times, I was kind of trying to distinguish like, what even is this? Do I like it? And what is the application of it? But it was the third time. The third time I connected with it, it was at my parents' house with this individual. And I proceeded to have this experience while I was watching Star Wars that I was not my thoughts, right? I didn't know like how to articulate it, but I just realized like, whoa, there was a juxtaposition that happened. And that then started a ever-expanding quest of curiosity and questioning everything. Right after that experience, I then started questioning a lot. I was like, what the hell just happened? So I didn't know, you know, I was, I was a metalhead, right? So it wasn't cool to look into God and stuff. But I started really diving in. I started, uh, that was right when I saw the movie Zeitgeist um, about religion and money and things like that. And that then started this, again, questioning everything process. So couple of years later, I get into school for psychology, because I was fascinated with the mind based on my own anxiety and things like that. And what ended up happening was one day I woke up, 
and I wasn't like the healthiest 18 year old. Like most people, I was smoking cigarettes. I was drinking on the weekends, you know, eating a lot of Celeste pizzas. Let's just say that when I stopped buying Celeste pizzas, they probably noticed, <laughs> you know, so, so there was a lot going on that I just was unaware of. So one day I wake up and I start peeing blood. No idea why, right? Yikes. And so I tell my father, he takes me to the hospital. And on the way there, he's like, Ryan, I got to know, are you doing drugs? And I'm like, no, but I am connecting with a lot of cannabis, probably said it in different words at that point, right? But uh, he ends up having a sigh of relief. Like he didn't like visibly do it, but like I saw it out of the corner of my eye because I was so heightened from like I'm peeing blood, what the hell is happening? So we go to the hospital and I started showing him some of the videos I had been watching around cannabis being able to be this medicine, right? And at that point, it was merely physical. There was a movie called Leaf that came out where Dr. William Courtney meets a patient who had, I believe, 11 autoimmune disorders. And then he starts giving her juiced cannabis leaves. So non intoxicating whatsoever. He starts giving her that and puts all of her disorders into remission. And then they get married at the end. So I was watching that there was another like zeitgeist type movie that I was watching about cannabis. So I showed him that. And to his credit, he was like, wow, I don't have any cognitive dissonance. I guess I didn't know what I didn't know. And so from that point forward, my dad was like, you know, hey, you're in school, you're fulfilling your responsibilities. If this is what helps you, I know what you went through with anxiety, who am I to tell you you can't do it. So my father wasn't someone who consumed cannabis, neither was my mother, but they just got it. You know, they were like, all right, this works, you know. So from there, I ended up continuing to go to school for psychology. And what ended up happening also was that it was a benign system, my kidney that had broken open, but that triggered a huge holistic health journey for me. That's really what kickstarted my health journey. I realized like, well, I'm not going to be here forever. And I definitely don't want to go out always worrying about what my health is going to be, you know, because I had seen that with my parents. And so <clears throat> what happened was after a couple of years in school for psychology, I realized I'm not the type that wants to wear khakis for the rest of my life. So this isn't going to work, right? I don't want to be stuck in a cubicle, you know? And so I didn't really know what I was going to do. And I went to the Boston Freedom Rally one year. Um, I think this was in 2011. And I heard a guy yelling, who wants to make butter with me? So I go over to his little tent and he's passing out a pamphlet for a cannabis institute opening five minutes from my house, right? So this is in 2011. There's no medical yet. I mean, we just had decrim. There was no industry. So I go home, I tell my dad, I'm like, can you help me with tuition? Because I was a broke college student. It was like 500 bucks. And he goes, I'll do one better. I'll go with you, right? So me and him ended up going together. Again, he's not consuming cannabis. He's just fascinated with stuff I'm into. So we go there. I start being the first one in, last one out. I start learning all about cannabis pharmacology, the history of the plant, um, organic gardening, biodynamic farming, all of these kind of things, Korean natural farming. I just start soaking it up. And then when I was 23, uh, I ended up having uh, uh, the next big event happen in my life where at this school, I ended up interning for them. I ended up helping numerous cancer patients with RSO, Rick Simpson oil, which for anyone listening, like that is the medicine that a lot of people are using to help cure their cancer. So I was witnessing these people come in with stage three, four cancer, right? Then working with Mike and Melissa, the owners of the school and consulting with these patients, giving them RSO, having them come back in months later, zero tumors on their scans, right? So I wouldn't have believed this either when I first heard it, if I wasn't seeing it with my own eyes. And I was kind of curious when this was happening. I was like, you know, why am I so into this particular aspect of helping people with cannabis with cancer? And so when I was 23, I go to my first music festival and I end up doing MDMA for the first time because I was still like 
you know, I had obviously loved cannabis, but I was still kind of like uh, blue pilled when it came to the rest of psychedelics. I'm like, oh, ecstasy is going to put holes in your brain. Psilocybin is going to make you go crazy, right? Like, and so I go out there, I do MDMA for the first time, and I feel this really interesting pull towards my dad. I didn't know why I figured, well, you know, we went to a lot of casinos growing up. We're in Vegas, you know, like I probably miss him because of that. We're going to steakhouses. My dad and I do that. So I just kind of wrote it off. And when I got back, uh, it was 10 days after I got back from Vegas that I found out my dad got diagnosed with terminal cancer. And so there he is telling me this. And I had no idea how to like really deal with that. Right. Neither did he. He was kind of just like, I remember we were uh, we were doing something to the pool. I think we were uncovering the pool that year. And he was like, I need a ham or something. I was like, okay. And then he just kind of dropped it on me. And then was just like, all right, let's keep uncovering the pool. And that was pretty much it. And so he had told me he wasn't going to take treatment because he had just seen what it did to his brother over the course of like five years. His brother had large cell carcinoma, so smaller moving. He had small cell, my dad. And by the time they found it, it was like in his brain. It was everywhere. So after a couple of weeks, my dad started experiencing some pain. And throughout this whole thing, um, I forgot to mention this, a couple of years into this, you know, me going to school thing, he bought me a grow kit. Um, we invested in it together to start cultivating our own cannabis. And so when he started experiencing pain, I finally convinced him like, Dad, I really feel you should entertain using cannabis, right? If you're not going to take the other treatments, which I totally understand, let's at least do this. And I knew my father was going to succumb to this because he wasn't willing to quit smoking cigarettes, eating bad food, etc. But he was my dad and I loved him. So, you know, I was like, either I can try to change this man into who I think he should be so that maybe he can be around longer, but also maybe I kill his quality of life for the last, you know, couple of months he has, or I love him for who he's always been, the support of loving dad, and I just do what I can to help him and keep him comfortable. And so we took the last harvest that we ever cultivated together, and I turned it into RSO, and I started administering this to him. And so here's someone who had never connected with cannabis, like maybe once in the 80s, right? And now he's consuming the strongest cannabis on planet Earth. <laughs> and so, so I would sit with him when I was giving him these uh, administrations of cannabis. And, you know, I thought back that I had figured cannabis out already, like it helped me with my anxiety. You know, I, I was going to school for it. I thought I had figured this whole thing out, but I didn't know shit. This is actually when I discovered the true power of the plant. You know, I thought, oh, it can cure cancer. That's amazing, right? But what happened with me and my father was that when that softer version of him came forth, right, from entering that alpha and theta brainwave state, when the protectors went away and I got to see a much more accurate representation of who his soul was, we got to connect on so many things that I had never even heard before. And I'm an only child. I have a stepbrother and stepsister, but my dad and I were super close, my mom too, right? And so I thought I knew everything about this guy. And all of a sudden, I'm hearing stories about his childhood that I had never heard. I'm getting to watch him have closure with his grandchildren, with me, with my mother, and most importantly, his own mortality. You know, we got to take the heaviness out of subjects like death. We got to talk about what do you think happens when you die, right? Not from like a scary point of view, but like a, I don't know, I'm kind of excited, right? That kind of thing. And so, you know, that really allowed me to see like cannabis is the ultimate connection medicine. And that connection is the ultimate thing in high demand and short supply in the world, even right now, right? We are being thirst trapped into thinking that we're connected because, oh, we have thousands of friends online. We get notifications all day. But as you know, full well, you know, that that's not the same thing. And that's why a lot of people are going through challenges right now because they're lacking that connection. So my father ended up uh, surviving 10 extra months 
they had given him like they didn't even think he was going to make it to Halloween. And when he was getting his scans back, his tumors were slowing their growth about 80%. So I ended up getting 10 months of my father that I have no idea if I would have gotten if it weren't for cannabis. And through that time, we got to create that closure, you know, and he got to keep his dignity and his hair because he really did not want to lose his hair. Right. And so when he passed, uh, that's when I chose to dedicate my life to this mission of allowing people to experience the connection deepening benefits of cannabis and the true spiritual side of it that I had then experienced. And so I ended up working in the industry for five years, working over 5,000 medical patients, working in the cultivation site, all over this dispensary. And it was funny because when patients would come in, you know, I had a different skill set than most of the other bud tenders because I had been in holistic lifestyle coaching with Paul Check, huge in the holistic health and fitness and all these things. So people would come in and say, oh, my cannabis isn't working anymore. I'm like, well, what's your sleep schedule like? You know, how much water are you drinking? Right. So people ended up wanting to talk to me for a lot of different things than cannabis. And that was kind of one of my first like, you know, clues that maybe like just maybe this psychology stuff I learned and everything was going to come back and be applicable to what I was doing. So in 2019, um, our company got taken over by a corporation. They started smelling like office supplies and khakis in there real quick. And I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Right. And so I credit them now. You know, at first I played the victim about it. Why is this company coming in? This is horrible. Now it's actually like, I'm so grateful that they did that because they triggered me so hard that I had to make a move. And in 2019, I went to a big cannabis convention with Rachel and a buddy of ours. And out there in Vegas, we went there to find our own investors. And what we ended up finding was that basically what happened was we walked into the belly of the beast. It was all the suit and tie game. It was just like, there was no love there for cannabis. It was just like very like transactional. And so the last night there, we decided, what do we want to do? And Rachel gave me the idea, hey, do you want to go to a strip club and connect with some MDMA? I'm like, okay, twist my arm, right? So best girlfriend ever award. So we go there just to have a, you know, a fun night. Her and I had never gone to a strip club independently or together. So it was kind of like this innocent thing of like, oh, let's see what this is all about. So we go there. We end up having a blast talking to all the strippers here in their life plans. It was just like so interesting. They're like, you guys are different. You know, <laughs> like, they're like, do you even care if we get naked? I'm like, not really. We just want to hear what you want to do in life. What fires you up? So I was tasked with keeping track of time. And we were supposed to leave by four in the morning. Well, we ended up leaving at eight because we just had so much fun. And I totally lost track of time. And Rachel went through like a challenge, right? Because she wanted to work on a project she was working on on the plane the next day. We were leaving at one. And I, and it was, you know, my fault for that, right? And so because of that hard open state, I just took full accountability for maybe the first time in my entire life that like, hey, this situation, although I didn't mean for it to happen that way, like it was my fault. Like I was tasked with keeping track of this and I didn't do that. And so in that moment, when I took full accountability, something shifted in me. It happened right in the strip club. Like I felt it, had no idea what the hell was happening. And so we get back to the hotel, we sleep for like an hour and I can barely sleep because I'm just having this like awakening. I don't know what the hell it is. So I get on the plane the next day and I start having this communication in meditation with my soul. And I start asking what the hell is happening? And my soul is like, well, did you ever think about how you have to be busy all the time? Did you ever think about why you'll wash your car three times in one day? Do you ever think about why you haven't even thought that you haven't gone a day without cannabis in over 10 years, right? Like, do you ever think about these things? Well, you've been numbing emotions out. Like you haven't been allowing yourself to go through things and you need to take a break from cannabis. And so here's a huge identity crisis. I come back, my hair was always in a tight ponytail and I had been having headaches for like a year and a half. I come back, I'm just like, why is my hair always up? Let my hair down, 
all of a sudden my headaches go away. Like I literally and figuratively let my hair down in life. I just stopped taking myself so seriously. And I immediately went on a cold turkey break from cannabis. And for three months, I was completely off of it. And for the first month, I fell into a little bit of my old pattern of like, oh, cannabis did this to me. And then I realized, no, this is once again, opportunity to take full accountability. The plant did nothing to me, right? Didn't hold a gun to my head, tell me to interact with it. This is me and me alone. And looking anywhere external is just going to take me away from any chance to remediate this and rectify it in my life. And so after three months, I began connecting with the plant again with a totally different, unique perspective now of like, okay, I'm going to be intentional. Okay, I'm really understanding what this plan is and what my role in this relationship is. And, you know, I started just pouring my heart out online. And I didn't even have an Instagram, I just started like pouring myself out on Facebook. And I'd heard this guy three years prior on a podcast, this guy, Mark England, Rachel and I would always listen to the same podcasts. And this was from a podcast called Positive Head. So we heard this guy and both of us, we were at the dispensary working in the cultivation room. We'd meet up and be like, oh my God, did you hear that? That was sick. So part of this post about perspective, I started talking about how language architects our reality. And someone commented and was like, wow, that's really cool. Do you have any other resources for that? And I tagged Mark. And me and him joked that the only good thing Facebook has ever done for us was connect us. And he sent me my first voice note ever, which for anyone who ever talks to me, I only send voice notes, right? So, uh, so we end up meeting, I end up getting into his program and this is January of 2020. So I end up, he's like, Hey, you ever thought about being a coach? I'm like, I didn't even know what it was, but I was like, yeah, fuck it. So I joined his program. I started having these crazy epiphanies. I joined another program. Then the pandemic hits, right? I'm able to leave my job. I'm able to collect unemployment. I'm able to just like, okay, I got some space now. And then I start building highly optimized. I released the podcast. I quit the job. Like all these things happened that when I was numbing out with cannabis, I was not allowing myself to feel fully. And as soon as that protector wasn't there, I was like, oh, I can't fucking avoid this. I got to get the fuck out of here. I got to, I got to get this shit taken care of. And so then it was a journey of the next six months, just gaining skills. And then Mark invited me down to his lake house in August of 2020. I went there met all of these people that I met on zoom. The guy, one of the guys there, my buddy, Chris Marhefka was like, Hey, I'm hosting a men's retreat in Colorado in a couple of weeks. You should come. And this then kickstarted like every event I went to, they're like, Hey, you coming here next. And literally for two years during the pandemic, me and Rachel just traveled constantly, hosted retreats, just threw ourselves into the belly of the beast, made connections. I ended up hanging with Paul check. I ended up allowing him to connect with my cannabis. And that's how I ended up meeting Aubrey Marcus. And just the whole thing is blown up. And so that's really the journey. Uh, as of right now, you know, it's a little bit lengthy, but I like going into it because for everyone, you know, I, what I want everyone to know is that I didn't choose to be working with cannabis, it chose me. And that's, I think, you know, something that I've realized in life is that the things that are meant for you will find you. And it's up to us to be able to notice those things and be aware enough to be able to dive into them. And when you do, wild things can happen. So that's the journey. <laughs> Wow. Oh man, there's so much in there. Like, oh, I don't even know where to like, firstly. I'm... It's a lot. Wow. Your story is so much like my story. I was like, oh, no wonder I love this man. Like I studied psychology. I was on medicine. My dad had cancer. Like all the things you were saying, I was like, what the, oh, that's wow. weird. Yeah. So it's true. My dad didn't pass away. He's I'm sorry to hear about your dad. My dad's still with us because he's just fucking oh. stubborn and he's never leaving. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm um, happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's interesting. It's it's interesting that that was such a um, an experience and, and what, what was coming to my mind. I'm just like, there's so many different pieces. I'm like, where do I take this now? Mm -hmm. The application of cannabis in the non-psychedelic, like non-psychedelic, um, 
without the THC, right? Like that, mm. like it mm -hmm. uses a plant, it uses a medicine, uses CBD oil, all of that stuff. And how mm -hmm. we just think weed and we think smoking grass and we think getting yeah. high and we think <laughs> like me greening out at 17 yeah. when I'd smoked it for the first time, I was like, whoa. Um, <laughs> but there's actually just so much more to it. And that is so powerful. And I've heard so many people have incredible experiences with cannabis um, and it's so stigmatized. And I think that's tactical, right? Because it's you can grow it it's not patentable like all of these things like there's obviously guys open your fucking eyes anything that they're telling you is bad <laughs> there's a reason for it right so beautiful yep. let me just feel because there was something i wanted mm. to ask hi beautiful soul allow me to interrupt this broadcast for just a second if you're a soulpreneur on a sacred mission or just someone looking to connect with their soul purpose their gifts and their multi-dimensional self I have something I am so excited to share with you. The Soul Mission Accelerator is possibly my most groundbreaking and expensive work yet. It contains 12 low-cost, high-potency sacred activations that will have you shifting through old limitations, patterns, karmic loops, and blockages at quantum speeds. These activations will support you with everything you require energetically to anchor in the timeline and reality you desire to create. If that means more soul clients, tribe, opportunities, and abundance, or just to anchor a soul purpose that is fulfilling and effortlessly abundant. You can grab $44 off the total price by using the code CRACTO open in capital letters in the checkout or grab each activation individually as they call to your soul now let's get back to this episode when you were saying where i want to take this it's really mm. interesting right because you mm. said something and then you kind of like came back to it later around the personal responsibility and it's not the cannabis i can't blame the cannabis for doing this this was already within me so for me mm. and this is what i feel is coming through my audience i'm speaking for them when I used to smoke cannabis back in the past, it would bring up extreme paranoia and fear and really dark stuff. Or I would be like, all I want to do is eat and fuck and watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, <laughs> right? So it's, yeah. either, it's either one yeah. of the two. Like it was like, I'm either in a corner, like shaking and crying and just like paranoid. Yeah, yeah, horrible. <laughs> or I'm I'm regressed into this primal state, which I love. Um, yeah. And then what happened was, eventually, like when my spiritual awakening started happening, I was more conscious of my thoughts and that sort of thing. And I was having these downloads and I would have these weed journeys, which would like, I'd be like, I just want to like smoke some, smoke some weed and like eat a burger and watch Brooklyn Nine, Nine and masturbate. And that's all I want. And then spirits <laughs> like, bam, here's this journey of all the things. And I was like, what the fuck again? Like, I just want it to be normal. Right. But, um, oh God, that's like two different things, entirely two different directions. What I want to say, wait, where do we want to go with this? So there's two things. There's two things. The first thing is like, what do you do when you're like, how do people take it when they have this tendency towards anxiety how do they manage mm. that is the first thing and the second thing is the acknowledgement of like it can be so powerful i was just mm. kind of like that was just my story of saying like there's reverence for this plant that can do that and i actually can't take it and just switch off and people like have some joy and i'm like no it's going to be a whole spiritual experience for me um and i <laughs> can't do that yeah <laughs> so like no really good sex though but no yeah. um so i just want to acknowledge that because it it is it's like psychedelic like it's like full-on connected me to god and i was like holy shit this is just me smoking a tiny bit of weed um the reason mm. i actually stopped was this was in 
I don't know. It was, I was living in Bali and um, I had a big, like, I'm not even touching anything over there because you can get killed for that shit. Right. And my friend yeah. had brought me over. I was living in my own apartment, like in this area where there was no, no one around. My friend had brought me over some and he's like, just have it. Like I have it, just have it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be really careful about this. Mm. Like really like close all my windows, close all my doors, make sure my staff isn't coming in. And I was still very paranoid just given the, mm. the climate. But I was smoking it like every week, once a week. And I just have a little bit and I'd end up having these crazy psychedelic journeys. And um, it got to a point where the paranoia and the fear and all of that stuff that was, it was like 2020. So there was a lot of really dark energy going on, a lot of entities, a lot of that sort of thing happening in the collective. And it got to a point where I couldn't even take that. And I was taking mushrooms as well, like quite a lot. And it got to a point where it was like, anytime I'd smoke anything, I just opened myself up so much that it was like unbearable. And I'd be like, no, mm. like this is way too much. So the question coming back to the question is like, now I can take it and be like, well, anything that's being shown to me, I'm powerful and strong and it's something within me. So I understand that perspective, but for someone who is still in that challenging state where every time they take it, anxiety comes up or anytime they take it, they're sensing dark entities in the room or whatever that is, like, what would you say mm. to them? And how, yeah. how do you navigate that? Yeah, this is a great question. So, you know, there's kind of like two parts to this, right? So there's, I'm just going to lay it out and we'll see how it how it plays out. So the first thing is that, you know, there's three ways that I understand the cannabis plant to work within the human experience. And I'll kind of go over all of them. The middle one is going to be the one that directly pertains to this, but the other two are going to be really good for reference and context to how the full picture of cannabis works in the human experience. So the first thing is that it's feminine, right? So this is where a lot of people become dependent because especially for men, but women have this too, you know, men notoriously suck at being able to provide comfort for themselves, right? We're just all action takers and go, 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 right? And that's what I was sharing with you before about like my emotional week this week and being able to like actually give myself that space to, you know, be able to give myself that own comfort. So that's one of the reasons that a lot of people get dependent on it, things like that. That's also one of the main reasons people attribute laziness to it. It's not laziness. It's just like you're the antithesis of action taking. You're in pure potential, right? And it's up to us to provide a masculine component of intention to balance out that masculine feminine energy, right? Now, the second part of this that directly pertains to this question is that cannabis acts as a mirror, right? And when we understand that, we can at least understand that it's going to reflect back to us what's already inside of us, just like you were just saying, right? So that context alone, if someone hears that, at least then now, if they experience some paranoia or anxiety, they can be pretty sure, and I'll get to why I say pretty sure, that that's coming solely from internal, right? Now, the third way that cannabis works is that it's imagination medicine. And imagination is a superpower, right? In order to be able to create new belief systems, then create a whole new experience of life, we first need to be able to imagine a reality in which our lives are different, right? And so this gets into a lot of like Joe Dispenza stuff, you know, feeling of the feelings of your future, etc. So now that we've laid out how the plant actually works within the human experience, here's another challenge with the cannabis world today, is that much of the cannabis being grown, first of all, actually, let me back up before I even say that, most people have no idea about qualitative aspects of life, right? The unseen realms, the causal realm, et cetera, right? Most people are stuck in a scientific reductionist mindset. I only believe in what I can see and measure. But the funny thing that's paradoxical about that is even science says we only see 4% of our visible reality, right? So when people are going around trusting the science, whatever the fuck that even means, right? Are they aware that even science is like, yeah, we really don't know what 96% of what we know is there is, right? And so that's a whole component to this, right? So now 
when you get into the energy of the grower who grew the medicine and the energy of the company behind the medicine being grown, right? This is where either people get it or they're like, that's woo-woo, right? Well, let me ask this, right? We all know love is a thing, right? I can even ask these very scientific reductionist type people, hey, do you love someone in your life? Cool. Do you love two people? Oh, cool. How many units of love do you have for each person? Oh, you can't tell me? but yet you still know love exists. Okay, cool. That's a perfect example of qualitative science in action, right? So at the end of the day, there's a guy named Joe Patitucci, who's actually bringing a bridge to this qualitative science. Now, he has a, um, a system called plant wave where he hooks plants up to electrodes, and they sing a song. And the songs that cannabis sings is very, be are very beautiful. Um, they're on YouTube. But what he noticed is very similar to Masao Emoto's work with water. When someone comes into the room projecting emotions of hate, the plant's song changes into a minor key versus positive emotions into a major key, right? And so when you are around plants that are being grown in artificial lighting without EMF mitigation, like biogeometry, which is one of the things I grow with, because here in Boston, we can't grow outdoor all year, right? So, you know, again, it's not saying you can't grow indoor, but like to be aware of like, hey, there's a lot of fucking energy that's like interacting with your plant's biofield and confusing it, right? So when you go to these types of dispensaries that are usually MSOs, right? And there are some good ones out there. Like I'm not someone to generalize and be like, all dispensaries suck. By no means is that true, right? But let's think about the average dispensary these days. It's owned by a company that's probably in a finance, real estate, et cetera. This is just the next thing on the chopping block that's gonna make them money, right? And again, that's not even like necessarily to judge or anything, it's just that's where they're at, right? but they're working with a sacred plant medicine, right? That's supposed to be held in reverence and it's it's a living entity. And so when you're purchasing cannabis from dispensaries or growers or even your guy or girl that are in states of paranoia or anxiety, that frequency can get downloaded into the plant. And what I always say is, depending on how aware you are, you can realize like, oh, this isn't mine, right? But for most people that are like drinking tap water, eating McDonald's, et cetera, they don't stand a chance, right? Now, for me, like if I interact with cannabis like that, what I describe it as is like having to pay a tax before you're actually able to experience the medicine, right? Because you almost need to transmute all that low dense energy into higher frequencies before the plant will be like able to even do its thing. It's almost like, you know, if you have a traumatized animal, you're not just going to be able to go over and be like, oh, what are you doing? And pat that animal, right? You're going to have to like, you know, make it feel safe first before that animal is actually able to open up to you. And it might take a very long time. So we look at animals like this, but we don't look at plants like this as a society, right? Now, those of us that are tapped in, we get these kind of things, right? But again, it's woo woo to the world at large. But, you know, those are a couple of the things that lead to this feeling. And so for what to do with this, right? We gave the context of like, okay, at least if you know, it works like a mirror, plus the combining of like, okay, maybe if you purchase it from a place that was growing in a very particular way, you might have to like, you know, go through that tax period first. Now, when you're actually in the experience, there's a couple things that I recommend, right? So the first thing is if you start noticing that you're starting to have some uncomfortable things present themselves or undesirable states of emotion, you can first repeat a mantra to yourself, which is I took a medicine and the medicine is working. And that to me really pattern interrupts and reminds you like, oh, I did this. Like, this is exactly what I expected or maybe even what I had hoped would happen, right? Maybe you were hoping or made an intention that you want to work through some heaviness, right? Or you want to feel good, right? Now, again, with cannabis, 
a lot of us, if we aren't able to leave that left brain state, we could say, I want to feel good. Then the plant starts bringing up anxiety or paranoia and we go, it didn't work, right? Versus maybe this is actually what needs to get purged out of you in order for you to feel good because the plant doesn't want you to rely on it, right? The plant wants you to be able to be a sovereign individual that every once in a while when you forget or you get stuck and can't seem to solve a problem with the same level of thinking that created it, you're able to go behind the veil, get a idea, integrate it and keep going, right? And go live your life, right? So at the end of the day, the plant will give you what you need, not necessarily what you want. And so a second step to that is I highly recommend keeping black pepper kernels and or nano encapsulated CBD on hand. Both of these are going to counteract the effects of Delta 9 THC, the main intoxicating component of cannabis, right? So those are great things to have around too. And then the other thing is down regulatory breath, right? Cannabis does produce a sympathetic nervous system response on onset. So if you're like the typical American or typical Westerner or typical, I don't even know, maybe most of the world where you're running a very sympathetic dominant nervous system. Now you also combine into that bad food, all the things that could potentially be going on. And then you consume something that also triggers the sympathetic nervous system. It can be like the straw that breaks the camel's back and you can start having a panic attack or these kind of things. So I almost talk about it like this. It's like your car is going too fast. What do you do? You hit the brake pedal, right? And so that down regulatory breathing, box breathing, something like that can allow you to start pushing that brake pedal and start slowing yourself down. And the metaphorical snow globe that is you that is so fucking shaken up that you can't even fucking function starts to settle. And then you start to be able to see the image within the snow globe. And that could be like, the inner awareness of like, oh, this is what's going on. Or, oh man, in my case, like, oh wow, I was numbing out emotions because I'm still hurting over my father passing away, right? And, you know, my stories of it shouldn't have happened this way and he should still be here, you know, aka not living in reality, you know? And so those are a couple of the main things I tell people when it, when, when it comes to undesirable results with the plant, anxiety, paranoia, et cetera. I took a medicine, the medicine is working, nano-encapsulated CBD and black pepper kernels, down regulatory breathing and just the understanding that cannabis works like a mirror. And if you're going through a challenging experience, you're probably getting squeegeed. And what's going to come after that is pure bliss. Because like Joseph Campbell states, any emotion is bliss when felt all the way through. So yeah, that's that's my tips for that. Oh my God. <laughs> I love you. Like everything you just said, I was like, oh, I feel that. And it's you don't think about the intention behind the actual plant that you'll take like that. I didn't even, that was not even something on my mind, but something that I had thought about was hydro. Like when they, mm. they like mod like that is fucked up. No wonder why it fucks us up. Like, what's your opinion on yeah. hydro? I'm curious. Like, I'm yeah. sure you've got an opinion. Oh yeah. But I've so noticed a, like when I've taken that stuff, it's like full on mental state, like not okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's wild because here's my thing. Right. And again, there's no like legitimate, science out on particularly what I'm going to say, but there are many things out on very similar things. So for me, growing cannabis at all with chemical salt nutrients, uh, instead of organically. Now, when you're growing hydro, like you're using 100% chemical salts, because you're growing in water. Now, again, like, you know, there are like amazing things you can do with hydro, like your plants grow super fast, super big, right? Like if you're just someone who's a nerd for this stuff, like, hey, there's an application for hydro, right? But when it comes to medicine, you know, you probably want to stay away from hydro because there's a couple of different things. Number one is I relate chemical salt nutrients to like steroids in human beings, right? So there are people that are bodybuilders and they've discerned, right? Hopefully with pure consciousness and pure awareness that they're willing to put these things in their body to reach a certain goal, right? So 
I'm never one who's going to say you should never grow hydro, but weigh the options, right? Are you someone that just wants to grow Franken plants and just see how big they get and potentially maybe use the leaves or whatever? Like maybe you want to give back and hydro will grow faster. Okay, that can work, right? Um, if you're growing them with love, right? I do believe that can definitely help that equation. That being said, most people growing hydro are growing to get big yields because they're going to sell it. There's greed involved, things like that. So that's one thing. The other thing too, is that I think as human beings, we are very naive in thinking we can outsmart nature. Like, oh, all that, we can just, you know, isolate these chemical salts, feed it to the plants, look how fast they grow, look how big they grow. We've now figured it out, right? And so at the end of the day, what most people fail to understand is that when you're growing in hydro, when you're growing with chemical salts, the typical thing is, oh, nitrogen for the vegetative stage of growth, phosphorus and potassium for the flowering stage of growth. Now you are like putting little bits of nitrogen usually into the beginning of flower, things like that. But generally like that's like the whole idea of chemical salts, right? With micronutrients, CalMag, things like that. But plants are going through like on a microsecond basis, plants are requiring different things. And when you have a soil food web working for you, you have a buffet because your microbes, right? Your fungi, your bacteria, they are creating soluble nutrients out of the insoluble state that is there when you just have soil, right? So what's happening is you have this symbiotic relationship with the critters providing, you know, food source for the bigger critters. You have the microbes providing a food source for the smaller critters, right? You have all this working symbiotically. You have mulch layers that are decomposing, also feeding the soil. You have these Korean natural farming amendments that I use that you're also boosting the microbe content, right? You have all these things happening. And on a microsecond basis, your plant can want three different nutrients, right? Now, if you are the one providing the nutrients, it's kind of like force feeding with a tube, right? You can do it, but you got to be really accurate. And also, you it's not exactly going to mimic the forest floor, right? It's not going to mimic a soil food web, right? We might think it is because, oh, generally nitrogen and veg, generally phosphorus and potassium, but we have no fucking clue what plants really need. We barely understand the science behind any of this with as much science as, as there is out already. And so the, the naivety of humans to think we can outsmart nature is one of the biggest challenges happening in the world. That's why in the U.S., I believe the stat is within 10 years, all the topsoil is going to be gone, right? And what do we do after that? I don't fucking know. And that's why for me, you know, I always say to people, if you are concerned or aware or passionate about becoming highly optimized, then you're really going to want to listen to this. If you're eating McDonald's and tap water and you think all this is bullshit, cool, keep smoking whatever weed, keep growing it however you want, right? This is not the message for you, right? But for those of us that are really motivated to be the best versions of ourselves, we eat, breathe, and sleep this stuff, why in the world would we ever want cannabis grown with these chemical salts, right? Versus nature. Because there's also all of this um, electric, you know, charge that's happening with the soil food web. Um, there's all these different, you know, things that are going on. And when we're just consuming chemical salt, nutrient grown cannabis or food, we're missing out on so much of the life force that happens when you grow in organic soil. And so that's, you know, overall, one of the big things when it comes to hydro and why for me, my ultimate ethos is to leave the garden of earth greener than when I found it, right? My goal is to, after I work with the earth, for it to benefit as a result of me having done so, right? So that when I leave, that earth is better 
right? And so with using Korean natural farming and living soil, that is exactly what happens. Now imagine what happened or what could happen if everyone started growing that way, just in their own backyard, right? They worked on their little pot, plot of earth, right? And they did that. 330 million people doing that, even if they're not consuming cannabis, they're doing it with vegetables or whatever, right? Not only can you get much bigger yields and have a much better turnout overall, save the fish from the runoff from the chemical salts, which annihilates them and all the, the, the you know, ocean and things like that. But you can leave the garden of earth greener than when you found it for future generations. And that to me is the ultimate reciprocity because for me, my ultimate intention is to be a steward of the earth, right? To be humble and understanding that I'm never going to be able to match what nature does. The best thing I can do is to use my mind, use the education I've learned to be able to go, okay, what are the most valuable constituents of nature? Okay, microbes. Okay, these ferments. Okay, sugars. Okay, now how can I use my mind to like really benefit nature by concentrating these microbes, these indigenous microbes, um, using brown sugar and these kind of things and giving it back to the land. So the land's like, oh, that's what we needed, man. Thanks. And it just blossoms and blooms. And so that for me is why I always grow organic. It's the only method I'll ever teach. That's what we teach in the Grow With Cannabis course. And, you know, it's cool too, because I tell everyone like, you know, even if right now you can't grow your own cannabis, maybe it's illegal. I, I work with a lot of people from Australia and places like that. So it might not be legal to grow cannabis, but hey, with the system that I use, you can literally learn to grow anything, right? You could practice with tomatoes until cannabis is legal. And then as soon as it is, you already know how to grow great cannabis just because you learn how to work with the earth. So it's a skill set that keeps on giving. It's amazing to get into your garden with your kids or your family, work with the earth, get your hands dirty. You know, earthing is a big biohacking thing now, putting your feet on the girth. You know, it's like, what happens when you're actually working with the earth? You know, it's like, I get so charged up when my hands are dirty like that. So that's my thoughts on hydro. You know, I'm never going to say don't do it, you know, because that's just my opinion. But I will say, you know, I like to weigh odds and options. And I allow people to use their own discernment and picking. And I think, you know, based on you, Beck, I can imagine people listening to your podcast are going to be very similar to me in terms of like, well, yeah, I want to make sure that I'm being responsible with the amazing gift I've been given of being able to be alive on this planet. And I want to make sure I do my due diligence to make sure I'm a steward and that I have this beautiful reciprocity because, you know, the law of karma is real, you know, and I think most people like Carl Jung states, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will control your life and you'll call it fate. So I think that a lot of people are unaware of how much karma they're, they're going through because they're, you know, purchasing, you know, farm raised animals that have had a lot of challenges go on in their life. They're littering. I mean, the list goes on and on, you know, but you know, if I can use my own journey as a sounding board to be able to maybe click some new people into this and get them excited to cultivate in a different way, that's much cheaper, much easier overall. You don't need to balance pH meters or PPMs or anything like that. I, you know, I consider that a win for sure. Wow. Like what is becoming very apparent to me. I remember on when we were doing the episode for your podcast, you'd mentioned you blew up and Paul Check was like, how much weed can you bring? And like, yeah. and I understand, I understand now why the stuff that you were growing was so potent because mm. it's like, what I'm seeing is like, there's this scientific thing of like giving the plant what it needs and knowing the science of like growing plants. But there's also, what I'm also seeing is this reverence for the intelligence of the plant, but it's actually listening to the plant on an intuitive level is what you're doing. And I think yeah. everyone can do that with the food that we grow with that. We're so fucking unintentional all the time. I have been having, this is me full disclosure. I've had problems with hape, mm. um, which is tobacco for those who don't know it's mapacho, but it's like you blow it up your nose. Mm. I've had problems using it very unconsciously because I used mm. to be a smoker 
And mm. that plan is intelligent and it's so powerful and it can help you so much. And I've had to constantly check myself, like, where am I using this without the intention? And I'm not giving reverence and respect to the plant. And I've had the plant tell me off so many times and be like, mm. yo, <laughs> you're not using me <laughs> consciously back, like stop, right? So we, we don't we don't realize that these plants have their intelligence. And like, even when you were saying about I took this medicine and the medicine is working. That's so beautiful because I think back to every psychedelic trip that I've had, even on mushrooms. And mm -hmm. it's, it's that intention of like, this is going to show me what I need to see. Sometimes it's not what I desire to see. Right. So mm -hmm. when we can connect to the plants in that way, where it's like, they have our best interests, they're here to support us, but it's a, it's a, it's a two-way street. Like we've got to treat them with reverence and respect and build the, the best environment and yeah. I'm curious, like this is really left to field random question, mm. but did, when did you, or do you, do you have an awareness that you're listening to the plants? Like mm. that they're, they're talking to you and, and how does that come through for you? Because I think I say this because I think a lot of people in my audience are here to work with plant medicines. And this is, I know this is a new thing that you're like, oh shit, there's this other level to it. What does it come? <laughs> how does it come through for you? Yeah, this is a great question. So for me, cannabis was the first thing that you know, as I, uh, uh, a few years back, about three years back, right when all of this was happening, I worked with a uh, psychic for 14 weeks named Krishanti Walla. She's amazing. And, you know, I was really uh, focused on increasing my clear senses and just getting into that realm because I've always been fascinated with the unseen realms, right? And that's where a lot of this shamanistic stuff is coming from and really blowing up, you know, and it's been very interesting because I think I was telling you uh, one time, like my whole life, you know, I just found that whenever I was starting to do psychedelics, all my friends would always come to me with challenges. Uh, even when we were in experiences, they'd ask me and I'd be like, why are you asking me? Like, I have no idea. But there was just this like, um, this understanding that they were like, well, for some reason, I don't know, you can help me. I'm like, all right, interesting. So for me, listening to the plant was um, a couple different things, right? So when I'm connecting with it, it starts allowing me to channel is the best way I would describe it. And clairvoyance specifically is just like so clear for me. And, and it's really allowed me like when I was training with Shanti, and then connecting with cannabis, I was like, Oh, my God, like, I know what these are, right, which is like what everyone says, you know, everyone has clear senses, it's just you never been told they exist. So as you start learning what these things are, you're like, Oh, that thing, like, I've been doing that forever, right. So cannabis unlocks this unbelievably well in me. And how what it does is, you know, it's like, the plant and I will go on these uh, conversations together. And cannabis, the spirit I meet from the plant, and it, and it has a lot of spirits associated with it. But, you know, I always call him the head spirit of the plant. And that was a trick I learned from Hamilton Souther. You know, he's a cannabis shaman, ayahuasca, et cetera. He's like, call him the head spirit, see what happens. And so I've had some experiences where I've been in deep communion with the head spirit of cannabis. And she's spicy. She's like a spicy meatball, you know, if you want to say that. And so like, you know, again, she'll like, she'll, she'll check me before I wreck myself. Um, you know, figuratively, of course, um, she will make me laugh. She'll allow me to see the hilarity of life. Like, you know, I have these profound moments and I'm sure you do too, Beck. And, and for anyone who's like a, a seeker, I'm sure you've had these where you just have these moments, maybe, you know, induced with cannabis or other psychedelics, maybe not where maybe through synchronicity, where you just realize that you are a speck in a sea of God knows what, right? Like we have no idea what's out there in space. We have no fucking clue, right? We're on a rock hurtling through what we think is space. Some people think it's all water, right? Like we have no idea. And sometimes that dawns on me and it's able to not just humble me, but able to take a lot of pressure off me. And cannabis is really good at allowing me to like remember that 
and just be like, oh yeah, fuck, it's really not that important. And it also is, right? It is, but at the same time, it's almost like that quote, nothing you do matters, but it's very important you do it, right? Like cannabis allows me to really center into that. And it also allows me to be intuitive. Like all the clear senses show up. Clairvoyance is kind of like my leading one, but clear cognizance is right behind that. It also really allows me to be a better listener, right? And when you think about like feminine energy, right? Like, you know, what do women tell men a lot? We don't need you to fix our issue. We just need you to hear us out, right? Cannabis has really allowed me to get out of Mr. Fix-It mode and be able to just sit there and witness Rachel when she's sharing with me, right? Or even not try to fix my own issues, but just sit there and be with them. And so to me, the relationship that I have with cannabis, I call like a pocket coach, right? Like someone that will hold space for me when I need it, someone that will give me advice or wisdom when I'm requiring it, someone that will also like fuck with me a little bit, right? To allow me to realize maybe what I'm not fully believing about myself, right? And things like that. And so that's how a lot of the communication works. It doesn't come through usually as like a word, like clear audience. Every once in a while it will. Sometimes what will happen is, uh, and I'm really curious to hear your um, your feedback on this. The 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 most recent thing that's been happening to me that's been newer is that when I am laying in bed after I consume cannabis, there will be this moment where all of a sudden I start to feel things opening up, and then my mind goes completely offline. For, I mean, usually it's like a second or two, and I end up becoming everything. I am in every fiber of everything in the world. I can hear every heartbeat. I can feel every piece of anxiety, every emotion that everyone's feeling at any moment in time. I have that happen. Then what happens is my humanness, like my animal self is like, what the fuck's happening? And then jolts me out of it. Like, like I was, uh, I was getting a hermetic, hermetic rebalancing series done one time. And I literally like Christed myself, like, like the lady who was doing it, she was going through this, um, this series of, you know, poems and whatnot. And at a certain point, it was talking about releasing structure, and just my arms went straight out. So I'll have that happen a lot um, with cannabis as well. And, you know, just these jolts of electricity. And what I've been finding is like, you know, I'm not even really sure what the point of that is yet. I mean, really, it, it feels like 5-MeO where you just become nothing and everything at the same time. And so that's been something the plant's been teaching me recently about the nature of reality, the nature of my own being, the nature of everything, right? Because again, like for me, I'm a researcher. I love intellectual concepts. But one of the things I learned early on was that I thought I knew a lot because I could explain it or articulate it, but without experiencing it, you really don't know what it is. And so the plant's been one of the best uh, uh, tools to experience these far out concepts ever. And so that's another one of the main ways in which it communicates with me. Um, also bringing up memories, sensations, smells, like, you know, how often I'll be sitting there and I'll smell like a whiff of a cigarette. And that's like, you know, my dad's scent, you know, and, and also like other times where I'll go at dinner after consuming cannabis, and I'll just crave something that I've never craved before that my dad loved. And I'm like, what the hell? And so now I've had it happen enough where I'm just like, okay, I feel that I'm tuning into my father, or I feel like I'm tuning into my grandmother or tuning into something I'm not even aware of what it is, right? So that's a lot of the ways in which cannabis speaks. And that's why like, I really feel cannabis is one of if not the best teacher for the modern day world where, you know, we are in the age of Aquarius, uh, there's more light hitting the planet than ever. So when people ask me, Ryan, you know, why does the world look worse than ever? I'm like, it doesn't look worse than ever. It's not actually worse than ever. It's just that we have more light on the planet. So people are aware of how fucked up things are for the first time in a long time. So cannabis can be the best thing, especially for men, right? Women are naturally just more connected to the unseen realms. But for men specifically, like 
being able to understand the women in their life to a deeper degree, being able to understand how to give their inner child love, being able to remember how to play and take themselves less seriously, being able to hold space and being able to also realize like, holy shit, I really don't know anything. And so even if someone's talking flat earth, I'm not going to argue with them, tell them they're wrong. I'm going to be like, Hey, I don't believe it, but tell me your case. Why do you believe it? Like more inclusiveness. And I really think that in a world where you can, again, grow in your backyard, uh, most people are aware of it. Like if you tell someone you use cannabis, they're not like, Oh my God, what? Like they're like, okay, cool. Is it CBD or is it THC? You know? And so at the end of the day, I really think that this plant could be a great bridge between people being able to experience these unseen realms and therefore believe they exist before they have to get shown in challenges in their life that these realms exist, you know? So yeah, that's my, uh, that's my thoughts. And I went on a tangent there, but I know I love it. Yeah. I'm going to play, I'm going to play devil's advocate now for a Please. second, the Please. flip side of the coin. So this is true for me, right? Because I used to think that I needed substances like cannabis to open my channel because I was mm. channeling like, oh my God, I feel the universe. I feel everything to have yeah. the incredible mind blowing fucking tantric sex that I used to have. I used to think I, it's only cannabis, right? Yeah. And I say this a lot, uh, people who use medicine, a lot of ayahuasca, whatever it is, cannabis, mm. and they can only tap into those states when they're on the plant or they're mm. only psychic when they're on the plant or they're only mm. feeling God when they're on the plant or they're only feeling mm. orgasmic when they're on the plant. Mm. And as someone who thought that, and I, I obviously like, there was a point where I was told to let go of all of it and go off mm. everything and just be completely sober, reclaim my sexuality, all the things, blah, 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 reclaim my life force to now mm. have all those experiences completely sober where like I can have, you know, if we're talking about like stoned sex, like I can have that mm. experience completely sober without even having sex. Like I can have mm. that <laughs> not even touching <laughs> through meditation. Right. Yeah. Um, or like being in that portal, like channeling or what you said, that experience of merging with everything that's something that used to happen to me on mushrooms, but now it's something that happens to me completely sober, just sitting in my living room, like hanging out. <laughs> so what would you say to people and how, how, if someone is like in that position of, uh, it's think, making me think of my friend, Paul, who I love dearly, but he's such a fucking powerful healer, right? He's mm. so fucking powerful. And for a long time, he'd be like, I can only do that when I'm on the medicine. And my sister as well. She's a, she's a medicine shaman. Um, well, she was serving it and like sitting for people with psilocybin. She doesn't do it as much, but she would say to me, I need to go take the medicine to have this journey, or I need to take the medicine to have this understanding or move through this thing or work with Lilith or whatever it is. And I'm like, dude, that medicine is just something that's within you don't need the medicine is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. So how do you, if you've cultivated a dependency, because I feel like you're, you've now moved past this and I feel like you're mm -hmm. now tapping into that stuff. What were the sort of things that you did to like, okay, this medicine has just opened up something in me that was already there. And now I can have that state without the medicine. A, what are some alarm bells for you to notice? Because a lot of people are unconscious about this. And they're like, like, I met this guy at the gym in Sydney and he would talk about all this incredible, incredible tantric sex that he was having with all these women when he was stoned and it's so connected and this and that. And I'm like, but dude, I feel your energy. You could have that without the stuff. And he's like, no, I need it. And I need the weed. And I'm like, oh my God, you don't realize like, you know, so some people are so unconscious that even this would just go over their heads, but those who are ready to receive it, A, how do they recognize that, hey, I'm using this too much um, and I don't need to be. And what is the step then for them to consciously pull back or start to move it in another direction? Yes, I'm so glad you asked Beck, because this is like the the brunt of my work, right? In teaching people that all cannabis is showing you is what's already possible beyond some limitation that you have created in your mind, right? Whether it be a limiting belief, 
um, whether it be an unconscious story or usually a collection of these beliefs, stories, et cetera, right? And so it's almost like we've had unconsciously, we've had governors put on our life, right? To prevent us from accessing certain things. Maybe when we were a child, we were very far out there and our parents told us to be in reality, right? And so now we kind of like abracadabra spellcasted ourselves into this different reality that we don't even remember that is possible now. Then we connect with the medicine and we go, oh my God, this makes me feel everything. And then what happens when you're coming from the left brain is you're like, well, I feel shitty when I'm sober. I feel great when I'm on cannabis. So I'm going to put two and two together and make eight, right? I guess I need to consume cannabis as much as possible to be able to feel more sense of good or better in my life. And this is where people most commonly miss the bar, miss the mark. Now, it's almost like this. If you have a finger that points you to the moon or sun, but you end up looking only at the finger and not what it's pointing you to, you've missed the mark. And that's what happens with cannabis. Like 99 times out of 100 is that people end up worshiping the plant as being like this incredible thing that, you know, again, they, they can't live without. And the plant is, you know, sacred. It should be held in reverence. But, you know, I've spoken to the spirit of the plant many times and it, it thinks it's super weird. Like, especially like think about women, right? Like if, if someone is super clingy to women, how safe does that make a woman feel? Right. And that's why I think a lot of people, when I talk about this stuff, they're like, oh, I've been smoking weed for years. I've never experienced that. I'm like, yeah, because you've never shown the plant that you can actually hold that responsibility for her to open up that side of her, right? And she's not trying to give you things you're not ready for, right? And so there's some things that I give people to look out for, right? So number one, whatever you can't take three days off in a row of owns you, right? Oh, shit, if you can't, <laughs> right? I know, right? Like, Coffee and trust me. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I mean, like, oh, my God, oh, no. for me, like, you know, the current thing that has been a back and forth thing for the last couple of years is nicotine, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel you on that, you know, and, and it's been a great teacher once again, to be like, what am I connecting with this with? Because there's something in there that I feel is not possible without this. But it's been a great journey, because I'm aware of that. And I'm like, okay, I'm I'm aware this is happening. Now, let me let me play this out. Let me see what's happening, right? So for anyone listening, right, like there is no judgment, you know, I was there too. I mean, like I said, I didn't take a day off for 10 years, right? Now, again, when I was doing it, I also want to bring attention to this because I'm sure there might be someone listening who's like, oh, well, he probably used it all day, every day. Like, no, I used it once per night with a vaporizer as my own grown cannabis, all the things, right? Because that was my story. Oh, I'm not an addict. I'm not dependent on cannabis because I only use it once per night. It's just when I get home from work. But it was like, yeah, well, why do you do it every day? It was like, well, I'm just not going to think about that question, you know? <laughs> so here's what to do, right? We have a process we call the highly optimized way. That is our process for bringing unconscious and unconscious relationship with cannabis into being a conscious relationship with the plant. Now it's a four step process. The first step is taking a weekly three day break, right? Minimum three day. I take a five day break most weeks, Monday through Friday. Sometimes I connect Friday night. So like four and a half days, but you know, again, three days off in a row is a great place to start. Now, by no means is this the only way it's just a way that I found can really help people right off the bat in a perfect world. Once you've done this long enough and you've taken these three-day breaks, eventually you'll find a flow that works for you. Maybe it's two days off and two days on, then three days off and two days on. Like you'll find your own kind of flow to it. I find men, we like a little bit more like, you know, guaranteed structure. Like for me, I just know Monday through Friday, I'm not even going to think about it because it's just my schedule. I've been doing it for like three and a half years now. So, and again, like 
you know, if I go to Paul Check's house and it's a Wednesday and he's like, hit this bag, I'm not like, sorry, Paul, I don't <laughs> consume cannabis on weekdays, right? But it took me about a year of really sticking to that schedule to be able to believe in myself, to be able to do it, to be able to, let's say, go on vacation for a week and consume cannabis every day, go into ceremony and then come back and not even think about it and get back to Monday through Friday breaks, right? So that's the first step. Take a three-day break per week. Now, when you actually go back to using the plan, you, well, your second step is to use intention, right? Now, intention, like we said before, provides the masculine component of, a, of energy that equalizes the feminine masculine balance between you and cannabis, right? So whether you're male, female, et cetera, you are tasked with providing that masculine component of intention. And the analogy I always give here is like, imagine if you're a sick child, right? And you got a cold or something and you're home from school and your mom's there and she really wants to help you. And she comes in and she goes, hey, Beck, do you need anything? And you just look at her like that. She's like, all right, you weirdo. I guess you don't need anything, right? <laughs> so like, so again, like she can only give you what you tell her to give you. And then she's like, I got you, right? I'll make a chicken noodle soup and make it whatever, right? So if you don't do that, what's going to happen is it's not that no intention is made. The intention becomes whatever is rattling around in your unconscious, right? So that's another reason why people can experience anxiety, paranoia in the levels they do, right? Because that's what they were thinking about. It's like how they tell race car drivers, don't look at the wall if you're spinning out because you're going to look where you go, right? And that's why language is so important. I have people that in ceremony will say, my intention is I don't want to be anxious anymore. I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, your brain just heard, I want to be anxious, right? So what is the opposite of anxious? Empowered. Okay, I do want to be empowered. Boom, much better intention, right? So once you've set that intention, your third step is to actually create a ceremonial structure. Now, for me, the term ceremony is something that triggers a lot of people. Some people are like, no, it has to be super sacred and you have to wear white robes and all these things. I'm like, okay, cool, but you're going to lose 90% of the world that could benefit if they have to do it that way. So for me, I think about a ceremonial container as a container from which you bring intention to, right? A container that you think into, right? A container that you set up for success based on the intention that you have set. So for instance, right, if you are looking to go on a deep inner journey, you're probably going to create a ceremonial setting that is quiet. It probably you're going to bring in the seven directions, you're going to do some sage, some Palo Santo, you're going to set up a mat, you're going to set up maybe you're going to build a temple in the room, right with hermetic magic or something like that. You're going to do certain things versus let's say a friend comes over that you haven't seen in years. And you two want to connect and you want to go dance. Well, maybe a ceremonial structure for that is a concert, right? Now, again, if you are looking to gain inner awareness and you go to a concert, it's not, I'm not going to say it's wrong, but like, you're not going to be able to listen to the subtleties, right? So what I always tell everyone is make sure the ceremonial setting is accurate and relevant to your intention, right? For your intention to play out with it. So once you've gone through your ceremony, right? Whatever length of time that is for you, some people cannabis hits them very hard. Some people it doesn't, right? I do ceremonies as quick as a half hour, sometimes as long as six hours, right? So it just depends on what you're looking for and what your intention is. Sometimes I just need a quick idea. I set up a temple space. I go in here, I start creative writing. Boom, good to go, right? So, and then other times I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Like this was yesterday. I didn't, I didn't use cannabis for this, but had no fucking clue. I was like, you know, kind of like being a little adamant with God. I'm like, can you at least fucking tell me what area of my life to look into? Like, you know, I'm not sure. So it took about four hours, right? And again, that was in a sober state. But the most important step in my equation is step four, and in my opinion. And that is exactly what you're talking to right here. If you do all of that, but you miss this, you miss the boat entirely, and you end up mistaking the finger as the moon or sun, right? 
So the last step is integration. And integration is a hot topic term thrown around. And for me, I like to kind of like demystify words like that, that are thrown around so much that I don't even think a lot of us really understand what an integration is. It's just habit change, right? And, and keeping track of habits. That's what I think of integration as, right? Now that habit could be an emotional response. It could be a physical thing, right? It doesn't have to be necessarily like, oh, I drink less coffee now, right? It could be like, I'm more open to thinking before I speak, right? Or I'm now going to listen to my partner instead of trying to fix it when they're sharing stuff with me, things like that, right? So at the end of the day, you've now been presented magic that you were able to access beyond your ego, beyond your default mode network. Integration is actually like the fucking coolest part. Now, when I first got into psychedelics, integration to me just reminded me of homework, right? I was like, ugh, like, you know what I mean? Like, and a lot of people like, they make it seem like that. They're like, you must integrate. It's very important. It's like, I feel like I'm in fucking grade school, right? So for me, what I like to tell people is like integration is where you get to make your whole fucking life cooler, right? Where you get to experience that magic all the fucking time. You don't need a substance to get there, right? And for me, I would love to be high 24 seven. Like when I'm on an amazing high with cannabis or MDMA, who the fuck wouldn't want that to last forever? But you obviously know you can't in terms of connecting with medicine because you get burned out, whole lot of stuff gets awry, right? So for me, it's like, wait, you're telling me that thing called integration can allow me to experience those things that I fucking love all the time. And then also, once I've integrated those things, the plant can be like, good, now we can move on to the next lesson. And it just keeps getting better and better and better. And then over time, I become more and more of who and what I really am as a divine being living out a human experience, fucking sign me up, right? And so that's the fourth step is integration. So we have those weekly breaks, we have intention, we have ceremony, and then integrate thereafter. And integration can be a lot of different things, right? It could be talk therapy, it could be meditating, it could be breath work, it could be taking a walk, it could be having deep conversations with your partner, right? It can be anything like I tell people follow the fun, right? And and be aware, right? Like, well, Grand Theft Auto is fun to me. So Ryan said, follow the fun. And this is integrating like, no, all right, like, there's obviously some like, <laughs> awareness here that like, you know, there's there might be something that you have to do that isn't directly like the most fun thing. But again, like, if you're like, no, I need to meditate, but I really want to go for a walk, like go for the walk, right? Like, you know, I believe walking is integration, you know, and especially for me, I'm an Aries, sitting still is hard for me. So I like walking by myself with myself, and just allowing those ideas to pop through and kind of like, you know, uh, go from a half baked idea to a fully baked idea. So that's our four step process, the highly optimized way for taking someone from unconscious to the conscious and also some signs to notice like if you can't take three days off, probably uh, a good indicator that you could use a reframe around your relationship with the plant. Amazing. I love the word idea. <laughs> so good. I was like, <laughs> I, the first time you said, it, I was like, wait, did he say that? He said it again. I was like, yes. The yeah, it is, they it's, never stop. <laughs> that's beautiful. Um, About the three day idea. I'm totally going to try that with Harpe because it's like, mm. I know that nicotine benefits me or I wouldn't be using it. Like from a spiritual perspective, it helps me to ground yeah. it, like all of these things. But I just want to get to a point where I'm using it consciously. So like, I, I remember when I took a couple of weeks off Harpe and then I had it again, it was like, whoa, it's so powerful. It's amazing. Right. So I just, I think having the break is so important for anything that you're using to bring on any sort of state. So thank you. That's powerful. And I'm, I'm assuming that's the work that you do inside your collective. Is that correct? Yeah. So we have, we have three courses inside the collective. We have connect with cannabis, which is all about your own personal intimate relationship with the plant going from unconscious into the conscious. You're going through weekly ceremonies, 
Um, we're then talking about it. I'm helping you integrate and I'm also holding you accountable. So that's like that whole course. And then we have the grow program, which is pretty self-explanatory. You're going to learn how to cultivate with living soil, Korean natural farming and biogeometry, which we didn't even get into yet. Um, you're going to learn that. And then we have our certification program coach with cannabis, where you actually get certified. You're going to be trading off with other students in the program to become a certified cannabis coach, uh, cannabis coach, integration coach, um, facilitator, and just general educator slash consultant. And then we got the seven weekly calls in there. We got the guest presenters every Thursday to come through. Last week's was uh, once a month, we do our live two-hour Breathe with Cannabis ceremony, cannabis and breath work. Unbelievable. My man, Chris, we host those. There's a whole lot of stuff going on in there. But yeah, we've tried to, you know, our, our mission was to cover every area of the cannabis world, you know, whether it be connecting with it, whether it be all the science. I mean, we have over 600 pages of science in there as well. So people can learn to talk the talk. And then we have the ceremonies to learn how to walk the walk. So yeah, we got everything in there. It's a, it's a cornucopia. I mean, it's literally like the long lost cannabis user manual in there. <laughs> and so now would be a good time to ask Ryan, if people wanted to find you and follow you on Insta or your website, what, how do they do that? Yeah, that's a great question, Beck. So you can find me on Instagram at the real Ryan Sprague, S-P-R-A-G-U-E is my last name. Um, and guys, DM me. Like, I love voice notes. I love chatting. Like, Beck can attest to this. Like, I'm a nerd for chatting. So definitely reach out if you have any questions. I'm happy to field anything. Uh, and then also you can visit the website if you'd like to learn more about the collective. Uh, that's at highlyoptimized.me. And then we also have the podcasts. Uh, I've been on a hiatus from Highly Optimized since last October. That will be coming back eventually, but doing two podcasts was aggressive. Um, once a week, each was <laughs> so crazy. Even do one, it's insane. It was, like, it was nuts. It was nuts. Yeah. I finally had to pull the plug on it, but we have 130 episodes out for that podcast. And then uh, the podcast I'm currently running is this one time on Psychedelics. Beck, you were recently a guest on there. People have loved, loved, loved your episode awesome. so far. It's amazing. And also... Um, uh, that podcast you can find on pretty much all platforms. We've had a bunch. I mean, it's just, it's so much fun, right? We have people come on, we have them talk about what psychedelics have done to them or done for them rather. And then also more often than not, we talk about the psychedelic nature of reality and how maybe psychedelics started or spawned this idea in someone that, whoa, life is more than I thought it was. And now their whole life is different, even without psychedelics. So that's where you can find me. Um, it's been a blast being here back. Oh my God. This is so amazing. My battery is so charged. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan, for joining us. So much wisdom and knowledge. I'm excited to pick your brain more and work with you and like help you to next level this shit because like, yes. yeah, you're so powerful. I just have so much respect for you. And and now like knowing you, obviously last time we caught up, I didn't know your backstory. And now just knowing mm -hmm. all of the study and the time that you've taken, it's like, well, <laughs> I understand why you're blowing up the way that you are. So thank okay. you. Bye. To everyone who's listened today, guys, if you have enjoyed this, go check Ryan out. Um, chuck us a subscribe on YouTube or a review on Apple Podcasts. I really appreciate that stuff. It helps me to reach this message to more people. If you know someone who uses cannabis and you want to nudge them in a direction to start using it more consciously, please share this message. Otherwise, beautiful souls, until the next time, I love you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cracked Open. Don't forget to hit subscribe and share with a friend if this episode has served you in any way. For more information about the work that I do or to get in touch with me, read the show notes or head to beckmylonis.com. Until next time, beautiful soul.